I'll never go to Bonnaroo, dude. These people were fucking sufferable. I swear to God. And they were like smiling and looking longingly into each other's eyes. It's like, is there anything more annoying than happy people? (laughs) Fucking happy people are the most annoying thing. thing No, honestly, fucking happy people are the most annoying fucking thing in the entire fucking world. Get a real job. Stop dancing. Fill yourself with rage like the rest of us. Me and John Lithgow from fucking Footloose, I'll tell you what, me and him would be best friends. <laughs> All right, and with that, welcome back to another episode of The Dicks in the Back Row, uh, the most detailed movie podcast that makes references to abortion, anti-Darwinism, yabos, and the Holocaust. I'm your co-host, Max Healy, out in Nashville, Tennessee, and with us in Boston, we have a very angry Tim Begin. How are you, sir? Angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we also have Mike Preble. How uh, angry are you, Mike? Uh, just slightly, slightly less angry. So, you know, just a regular amount. Regular amount of Boston angry. <laughs> so you're at like an eight. Yeah, I mean, I've already murdered three people today, but, you know, it's a, it's a slow day. It's a Friday. <laughs> He's homeless, so they'll never find him. Yeah, exactly. It's the thing with that box. You can move it anywhere you want. You're always home. <laughs> it's what I like to call a movable crime scene, Max. <laughs> And returning from the sunshine state of Denver, Colorado, is Derek Brady in Nashville. How are you, Derek? I'm doing great. No rage over here, guys. Just so you all know, I think uh, last two episodes of this podcast, I just want to reassure everybody that Derek is not a drug dealer because I think back-to-back weeks he's coming from Jamaica <laughs> in Denver. <laughs> well, okay. you okay over there, Mike? Excuse me. Was, no, I you- was sneezing. I literally turned. I turned. I almost did a 180, and I think I. I think I may have pulled. I may have pulled some muscles trying to turn my face away from this microphone. Listeners at home, don't you worry. Mike will find some way to fuck up the podcast every week. Yeah, that was actually Preble's. That was Preble's uh, signal to the FBI to raid your house right now, Derek. Because they know you are a drug dealer. Ah. Well. Perfect. Jokes on them because they're going to have to go way up my butt to find it. <laughs> Okay, well, we're kicking off our Christmas movie month with the most kick-ass Christmas movie of all time in 1988's Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan and starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, and Carl Winslow. And um, I'm sure you guys are saying, hey, this isn't a Christmas movie. Wrong! It is a Christmas movie because everything's centered around a Christmas party and they have Christmas music playing throughout. It's so facto. I would like to point out that and I'm prepared for your appalled responses. This is the first time I've ever seen this movie start to finish. And I, what? As, a, as a new... Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, as a new watcher and a uh, an objective outsider can safely say this is certainly a Christmas movie because it ends with a fucking Christmas song. Yes, it does. And the pr- That's all it takes. Pretty much all the, all the music in this entire movie is Christmas. Even the, uh, the Run DMC stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the only Christmas movie. This is the only Christmas movie worth watching. Yeah. yeah. It's been a, about a calendar year since the last time I saw this. I watch this once a year right around Christmas time. It's just my go-to. I mean, I know we're going to I know we're going to talk about it a little later, but even like the music that isn't explicitly Christmas music that like that like hard take of like, you know, like distorted Christmas music that they do with like the bells yeah. Oh, yeah. when like everything goes that shit is on point. I have to say, I, I love that. Max, if uh, if you remember correctly, there was one time we threw a Christmas sweater party oh, yes. and had this on a loop in one of the rooms of our house. Yep. Oh, Jesus. And, and whose idea was failed. that? That was yours, because I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
pretty sure that was the same party that caused like several thousands of dollars of damage to Derek's house. There we go. Almost lost it. I thought I was going to have to move in with Preble. <laughs> if only you could be so fortunate. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys ready to get into this? I certainly am. Tim, you okay? Sure. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good. Good. <laughs> Welfare checks for Tim every five minutes. Tim has to take out his mouth guard so he doesn't grind his teeth all the way down. <laughs> Don't worry, my, my teeth are already ground to nubs at this point. <laughs> I go I go through a, dent- a pair of dentures a week. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well the movie opens up with John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, who is clearly not afraid of flying, and uh, is getting some weird advice from a guy who's been traveling for a long time about making fists with your toes, which is uh, kind of a weird thing to uh, mention to start a movie. But it'll come back later on. I can safely say with the amount that I travel, that is not the secret to flying. (laughs) Um, The secret to flying is not sitting next to a 300-plus pound smelly gorilla. (laughs) I thought the secret to flying was (laughs) clonopin. It's what I got up my butt right now. That's what the secret (laughs) of flying is. I also, I have to say, I love that the fact that this conversation occurred at the end of the flight. He's like, oh, so you don't like flying, huh? It's like they've touched down in Los Angeles from New York. (laughs) Like, this man must be the daft, like the dumbest motherfucker you've seen. It's like, oh, I just noticed now, in this moment in time, that you're... It's like, oh, God. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, getting to an airport and someone immediately getting off the plane, taking their shoes and socks off, walking around and just, like, crunching their feet? Like, I'm definitely reporting that motherfucker. Someone lock that psychopath up. I just hate feet, so just the the idea of making a fist with your foot just kind of grosses me out. Mm, I kind of like it. This guy is, like, you know, every... Every business person who actually does, like, I feel like there's a class of business person in the country who doesn't actually realize that they're gonna die someday and think that all the shit that they do is important. <laughs> they just want to like, the, all they're doing is trying to like, you know, they're like, this might make me a sale if I like impress this guy on the plane. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's nothing. There's nothing I hate more than people who are constantly in business mode. Well, I, I think and he's definitely a 27 ringer. What is what is that? Yeah, well, you know the the Yankee fans, man. Twenty seven fucking oh, rings. God. Oh, he's yeah. definitely a twenty seven ringer. Kill them, kill them all. <laughs> burn him. I know, burn them to the ground. But uh, what I do love about this movie, unlike Batman and Robin, like every scene has a cause and effect. So even like this stupid opening line of being barefoot comes back around in like a big way because this is kind of what makes this movie stand up from some of the other action movies because you got a action hero running around with no shoes on the entire time. So much foreshadowing in this movie. You're now also introduced to uh, Miss or Mrs. Uh, Holly McLean. I mean, Miss Gennaro, uh, getting sexually harassed by her cokehead coworker Harry Ellis at their Christmas party. But more to come from old Ellis later on. He is like a walking me too. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally me too. Right. It's basically it's bas- that that scene is basically a video they show in a, a course you go to when you were sexually harassing people. They're like, "This is what you don't do, Brian." <laughs> well, um, also Holly's boss sent a limo to pick up John, and I do love the fact that he's sitting in the front seat. Yes, it's a blue collar guy. Sitting with our favorite pattern style of clothing, Argyle. 
<laughs> I love Argyle. Argyle might be my favorite character in this movie. It's either him or a man we'll cover later, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you also find out that uh, McLean and Holly are estranged during this car ride to Holly's office. And I was going to say, I've re- like initially I thought Argyle was annoying as shit up until he just tells McLean that he'll wait in the garage just in case he gets kicked out of the party. And then like McLean just smirks at him. He's like, you know what? You're all right. It's like, yeah, I'm with you, John. I feel the same way. That- yeah, I was going to say, I, I literally had in my notes, I agree. Shut up, Argyle. <laughs> he's talking. It's like, even if you were a cabbie at one point, it's like, no cabbie. I mean, well, that's not true. Is it cabbies do do that? When they do that, I'm like, oh god, just leave me alone. I'm hungover, or like I'm I'm X or whatever, right? It's like just you just need to fucking cool it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but are any, are any of those cabbies as cool as Argyle? No, no, no one is ever as cool as a Scottish patterned, uh, <laughs> you know, outfit. So I was like, no, of course not. Well, the chances of John reconciling with Holly is off to a bad start because he finds out from the company directory that she's going by her maiden name and not McLean. And uh, hell of a security team, by the way, because you already know that John yes. has a gun on him just from the first scene yes. in the movie. And the security guard's like, yeah, just walk up and follow the noise to the party full of the one percenters. <laughs> also, I don't think the security guard understands how elevators work. Elevators stop at floors. They don't stop at sound. <laughs> He's like, yeah. He goes, he goes, just, yeah, just get on there and take the elevator until you hear the sound. It's like, that's not how elevators work. Yeah. It's not like they're new, right? It's not like an elevator is a new invention in 1987, right? No, no, what, it's not. Because that's what I ever down. Like, this front desk guy is useless. Like, he just comes and it's like, hey, I want to go in. And they're like, sure, the party's on this floor. It's like, ah, you... Dumb motherfucker, you deserve to Which, be. Yeah, but, <laughs> way, that, that's not how this. That's not how this works. I mean, I've been to to meetings with companies and buildings like that in Baltimore. They call and verify that you can go up to the. They, they don't just yes. let you fucking go. That's not how this works. No. But maybe it was that that brand new 1987 security system directory system that they had. I mean, that was yeah. that touchpad. Was yeah. yeah. Ooh. Yes. Hey. The touchpad is hilarious because, again, it's outdated technology, but it's a wonderful device for John McClane discovering that his wife is still like, I don't like you. <laughs> you need to s- stay in New York right now. Well, uh, It also does... Oh, uh, never mind. No, go Keep going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We haven't gotten to the good stuff that yet. More. I should probably yeah. do that more myself, Tim. Well done. <laughs> Uh, another bad start is the fact that uh, he walks into Holly's office and Ellis is in there just doing a bunch of blow off of her desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was spectacular. Go, Ellis. Listen, uh, listen, guys, we've all been to holiday parties. I mean, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Tim, there, there had to be a little bit of relief in this movie in that every person in this fucking movie had a job. <laughs> they all had great jobs. <laughs> they worked for the Nakatomi Corporation. Yeah. Which no one knows what they do, but it, uh, it's prestigious. I can tell. <laughs> so, I just imagine Tim like like on his hand, hands on his knees as the movie starts, and then they go into a holiday party in a sky, you know, in a high rise. He goes, oh, and sits back and finally relaxes. I was just stroking it. I was like, oh yeah, people people working late. Oh yeah, it's Christmas Eve and you're still working. Yeah, hard work. <laughs> Also, that's just another thing, right? Like, who actually... What office actually holds a Christmas party on Christmas Eve? The answer no, is none. No party. A very, yeah, yeah, no yeah, a very irresponsible one. Zero. Exactly. Also, I have to just say, this. I've been to a number of 
terrible office parties, like debaucherous office parties. This one's off the fucking chain. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. like 5.45 when it starts, and people are already, like, fucking. It's like, all right, <laughs> let's, yep. let's cool it, gang. Men are like, kissing we, men. They're just, you know, girls again just, like, pile-droved into doors and just... Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I do like that the boss, though, is like, this is Holly's husband, John. He's a policeman. <laughs> McLean's like hey you missed some you missed a spot he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alright <laughs> although I so uh, Mike I will say I've some of my holiday Christmas parties have been pretty pretty well one time I almost got gay with some gay guys <laughs> tell us more <laughs> Well, so apparently I was very drunk. I had just I ordered four Manhattans for uh, two people, and the other person. This was this was after this, but um, the other person did not want the two Manhattans that I got for them. So what I ended up doing is drinking all four of them, <laughs> which ended up which ended in me blacking out, and then. Uh, the next day at work, I was told that some gay dudes brought me over to their little other party that they're having because they promised me food, <laughs> and then they gave me food, and I ate a lot of their food, and then maybe like 45 minutes later, I walked back over to my friends who I work with and go, I think those guys are gay. <laughs> so they were pretty close to uh, getting the old Timster, you know, so... <laughs> I was bagged him. I'm glad that Tim told that story, but he refrained from the other one. I don't even want to know wonder what the other one was. <laughs> um, also, Ellis is just such a just a little shit because he's just bragging about the Rolex that he got for Holly. Just fuck that dude. Like, what are you embarrassed? It's a Rolex. Hmm. I wonder if that'll come back. Hmm. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. We'll find out. So Holly walks out of the office and uh, sees John in there, and uh, they have a very awkward embrace because she wasn't sure if he was actually going to show up. But um, also sick burn by, by uh, McLean after his wife says, I missed you. And he's like, yeah, um, I guess you didn't miss my name, though, unless you're signing checks. So oh, bitch. So uh, the, honestly, yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of really good like one-liners oh, yeah. and Die Hard. Carl Winslow has a few of them. <laughs> it's really, it's really funny because I was trying to put when I was making notes for this movie, I tried to put down his real name, oh. which I like kind of knew. <laughs> I was like, oh, because it's such a fucking good name, and then I was just like, ah, oh, Winslow. Yeah, like just yeah. out of the back of my mind because I like, couldn't remember his real name. I was like, but I do know Winslow is definitely family matters. So I was like, all right. Yeah. So that I mean. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen this movie before. Um, so hopefully it doesn't get too confusing because one of the main villains is also named Carl. And in my notes, I just wrote down C-A-R-L and K-A-R-L. So that's not going to really pan out Carl. out loud. German Carl versus American Carl. We have to we have to call him Carl Winslow. Yeah. I, so I just called him Urkel's dad. <laughs> there you go. Urkel's dad. Inaccurate. It's not bada true. Bada bing, bada boom. How do you know, Mike? How do you know? Do you I don't see, know that... You I don't know that... You don't know uh, that Carl wasn't over at Urkel's house yeah, fucking did, his mom. Did not take it to Mrs. Urkel. Uh, yeah. That would be really disturbing then, because that means Urkel is trying to fuck his sister the entire time. Hey, oh. Hey, guys. Then I hey, do that. Who had this? Yes, you did. You committed yes, a crime you're going all right, well, uh, they're bickering. Let's get back. Okay, well, I guess we can add that to the top of the list, including abortion and the Holocaust. Now we got incest, in, we got incest as well. 
think we call that the Grand Slam. If Boy, I you can out. really, you can really hear Tim unwinding right there. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we're really, really getting into the background now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back into the first three minutes of this movie. Uh, because at this point we've been recording for forty six minutes. All right. <laughs> so just uh, lean into it, boys. <laughs> so uh, they're bickering when uh, Holly's assistant walks in and says that she needs to make a speech to the team. So Holly leaves and tells John that she'll be back in a few minutes. So as John is just banging his head against the bathroom wall um, for just immediately starting a fight with his wife. A moving truck pulls into the garage, uh, while main muscle bad guy Blonde Carl and main pissant tech guy Theo stroll through the main entrance and immediately shoot the front desk security guard in the head. You know what, though? But it's, like, perfect. It's, like, crisp. I, I, was, I literally wrote down, I was like, just enough exposition, love mm-hmm. the distorted crisp music, and I love Alan Rickman. Like, I love the whole setup of this. It's, like, 20 minutes in, they've laid just enough for you to, like, need to know what's going on. They're, like... And here comes, like, the punch, right? Like, this yeah. is what you want. It was, like, perfect. Yeah, the perfect amount of character development to know yes. every single person's personality. I exactly. I don't know everything about everybody, but I know enough to, like, really enjoy the fact that, like, these motherfuckers are taking over this gigantic complex. And well, I love it. guys, guys, I mean, I feel like that's pretty similar to Batman and Robin. It's exactly like that. <laughs> let's say let's say no and move on. I thought we were done with that. <laughs> Never again. Tim's, Tim's fists are clenched again. His fists and toes. His toe. I was about to say his toe fists. I have to put in a new set of dentures. Hold on, guys. Just ground down the. Meanwhile, Preble's just eyeing the kitchen, just looking at the knives. <laughs> I left the door. I left the, my door crack open just so I could see the glint. Uh, the shine. Yeah. What part of your box is the kitchen? Uh, it's the left corner. It's the left corner where I just drew a bunch of knives with my, with my stolen pencil. Ugh, these, I'll someday afford these. Um, also, Carl's kind of just showing off by throwing like hockey puck flash grenades at the other security officer and then shooting him. It's like you could have just walked over and shot the dude. Carl is a model of German efficiency. He's not going to do anything that's not the optimum way. You know? <laughs> can we can we talk about also the that? These bullet wounds in this movie are pretty fucking graphic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, they it's, are. It's a, there's a lot of blood in this movie, and I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Theo jumps into the security system and shuts down the building while the rest of the crew uh, comes in from the garage and starts doing bad guy stuff like chopping down phone lines with a chainsaw. Which just kind of shows you that Carl is extremely impatient. It's kind of a wild card. Uh, while his brother is just doing a pretty good job of just dismantling it. And uh, meanwhile, the rest of the team are loading up their machine guns and getting into the elevator in preparation for their grand entrance. I would like to say that um, Carl's brother, I mean, just the perfect outfit for for terrorism. <laughs> why would you Why would you want to be uncomfortable when you're committing a, a egregious acts? I literally wrote you down. Know? I wonder what Tim has to think about this sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I was down this gray sweater with these glasses on. I was like, what does Tim have to think about this? Dude, that guy. That guy is has so much freedom of movement in that outfit. He is comfortable as fuck. I mean, come on. Why would Why would anyone want to be a terrorist? Not in that outfit. I don't even know. <laughs> I did think about though. I thought about all the outfits they were wearing, and I mean, as much as I love Hans Gruber, why would you ever wear a suit 
Like, the, you know what I mean? I would be wearing, like, the most classy. comfortable... Exactly. He's just drawing for pure class. I'd be wearing, like, sneakers, like, comfortable pants. Like, I'd be ready to fight, you know what I mean? Because you imagine there might be this coming in, right? Yeah, or just, like, full armor. Yeah. So just fucking go. Wearing body armor. <laughs> Max is thinking much more practically. I'm glad we know that Preble's uh, terrorism outfit would be uh, resemble MC Hammers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just parachute pants going <laughs> Well, this guy's harmless. Look what he's wearing. Just exactly. If, you, if any of you see me on the street wearing parachute pants and like really thick glasses, just fucking run. No, run. If he's wearing parachute pants and thick glasses, he made a stop at Goodwill. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, quite the entrance for these guys because the elevator door opens up to the main floor, and nobody notices eleven Germans with machine guns until they just start firing. <laughs> There's a lot of coke at that party. <laughs> say they're coked up and fucked out of their minds. Uh, they kind of make sense. Um, so uh, while all the stuff's going on, that you know the bad guys they're clearing each room. Uh, John makes a run for the exit and goes up a few floors to find a phone, but they've all been cut off. Well, but before that, the fucking couple got caught, and you yeah, get to see some. You get to see some titties. Tim, did you know what? Did you like those titties? I did. I, we we felt we need to make we needed to make up for the lack of bat dick in the last episode. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I did feel bad for her though because you know the amount of cokes that's flying around that party. That guy's got a limp a limp rod. <laughs> so she's just she's just getting she's just getting limp dicked on a desk for for like God knows how long. I mean, it's just it's a rough situation for her. Like trying to shove a you know like a like a circular. Okay, thing let's just fuck. move on. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. <laughs> so, all right. So you're for, uh, now you formally meet Hans Gruber, aka Professor Snape, aka the late and great Alan Rickman, and probably Hans. It has to be probably the best action movie villain of all time. He's a good one. Like he doesn't yeah. strut like an action movie villain. Like you know, he's the anti Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey from Under Siege. Like he's very clever. He's well put together. Like at certain times, he seems kind of bored by the whole like terrorist hostage takeover. It's almost like slapstick in a way. He's almost like it's almost like he's the the head honcho of this like inept gang, and he's just like, oh, if I didn't, if I wasn't weighed down by you morons, that's this whole thing would have gone <laughs> smoothly. It's kind of like comedic in a way. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's funny too. Though. I mean, he's like very dry yeah. humor. Yeah, yeah, there was a no, lot of good humor in this movie. Yeah. Like he's just having that awkward elevator conversation about fashion with Holly's boss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. The guy's just looking at him like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you like?" <laughs> it's like nice suit. Uh, so a few minutes later, Hans tells uh, Tahaki. I guess that's the boss's name. Uh, doesn't matter. He's gonna die in a minute. But uh, he wants access codes to the, his vault that holds over six hundred forty million dollars in barrier bonds. And oh snap, he's not a terrorist at all. This convo's going on, and McLean sneaks into the office and watches as uh, Tahagi gets a uh, at says at gunpoint that he doesn't know the codes, and Hans will have to just kill him. To which Hans just says, "Okay, blam." No, it's a blam. classic line. I'm I'm, I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Mm. Oh yeah, that is that's, that's cold. It's cold blooded. Well, and before I don't you know we we get that. Again, a nice action movie trope where you see someone wheeling something out and you catch a glimpse of what it is because there's like one edge of it pulled up and you get to see that, oh, it says missile on it. So those must be missiles. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, so McLean uh, grunts out of the room. The bad guys kind of hear it, but they don't really make much of an effort to check it out. Um, so a little bit later on, Hans and Theo have six of the seven locks open to the vault, but they're going to need the last one cut, and that can't be done locally. But Hans already has an idea in mind. Uh, meanwhile, McLean swearing at himself and just having pretty much like a full-out argument with himself for uh, not stopping the shooting. Uh, but he does pull the fire alarms that get some outside attention. But uh, Hans gets in front of it right away and tells the Texan front desk dude to call the fire department. And uh, sadly, to McLean's dismay, the fire trucks leave and Carl's brother Tony comes in. Sweet sweater. And it, it, was, it was about at this point where I thought to myself, can they find another song other than Ode to Joy to play? <laughs> Is that what you're thinking? Okay. I mean, like for the first 30 minutes of this movie, every background song is Ode to Joy played like slowly and menacingly. <laughs> wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking, I, I was thinking, is that, I was wondering if that's a wool polyester blend. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems soft as a baby's bottom, you know? Uh, we get, and, and Preble, you know, I was thinking too at this point, we're, we're getting to it, but uh, the, this guy definitely went to the terrible henchman academy that we talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. The, all these guys went to the terrible henchman academy because they are just shooting from the hip like that's a good idea. Well, he comes around the corner of, the, of that fucking drywall without, like, yeah. his eyes might as well have been fucking closed. Comes around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And also, I just have to say, also, I think it's hilarious. They've done, they have such preparation for all this other stuff, but they didn't disable the emergency system. So any one of these motherfuckers could just pull the fire alarm. Now, that being said, I don't know a lot about emergency systems, but that seems like a problem to me. You know, they're just like, oh, well, I can just pull the fire alarm and the police will come. And they're like, no, we didn't think of that. but We thought of everything else. Well, see, to to my point, I thought when they pulled the fire alarm, I was like, oh, that's going to bring fire engines. What what, what the fuck are they going to do? What? Bring the bring the EMS, brother. You got EMS. You got them. You got cops. You got everybody coming up. And I was like, "This is a good idea, John. Well done. Well done." Back then, the fire alarm was just a phone line, so they would have cut the fire alarm too when they cut all the phone lines. Mm. That's interesting, actually. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you didn't already know that McLean doesn't play by the rules, you will soon enough because uh, he holds Tony up and says, tells him to drop the gun, but Tony says, "If you won't hurt me, you're a police officer. You have rules." And he's like, yeah, that's what my captain keeps on telling me. Blam! Gun punch to the head. And then uh, this Aryan and McLean get into a rumble. And uh, yeah, one of the first uh, good fights of this movie as well. Is there a better action hero than Bruce Willis? I mean, just just his I-don't-give-a-fuck attitude. I I love it. I mean, in all of his movies that he's in. Well, I mean, I guess you could make the argument for Argyle in this movie. He's a pretty (laughs) great action hero. I think John McClane, these first the first three movies are is like the best action hero guy. By the time you get to the fourth movie, it's fucking garbage. He's just being Bruce Willis. I think he's definitely in my top three, but I think I have to put uh, Mel Gibson and Lethal Lethal Weapon one and two up mm. there. And of course, Steven, what's a list like that without Steven Seagal? <laughs> right down, oh, tucked yeah. in he, between yeah. number eighteen and twenty. <laughs> Steven Seagal. He, and he rolled, Steven Seagal is on a... The muscles from Brussels like he doesn't even fucking exist. <laughs> right. You, you sack of shit. <laughs> to be honest, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal are on a different list, and I think it's a list that when you search it, it pops up, it shows them in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, well, back to this fight. So, uh, McLean's getting his head smashed into drywall several times, but uh, he does win the fight by uh, able when he's able to uh, just throw this dude down the stairs and killing him. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I guess he broke his neck? Like, I mean... Yeah, I, don't, I mean... That's what sure. I assumed, right? Well, His eyes are wide open, so I'm like, yeah, you must be dead. So, so uh, this, McLean get. Yeah, this, I was going to say this next part gets me rock hard. Oh, yeah, so yeah, McLean gets uh, Tony's bag that includes a walkie-talkie machine gun, and to cap it off, he sticks him in an elevator and dresses him up with the Christmas decorations. And... Um, you cut back to uh, Hans, and I never noticed this before that Hans is eating a sandwich when he just tells all the hostages that he killed their boss <laughs> and that now they're in charge. <laughs> it's like he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's like that's like bad villainy punnery, but you know what? It's delivered, like, like, yeah. But like, Alan Rickman's saying it, so it's it's fine. Yeah. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like Alan Rickman said it, so I don't care. It's it's good. By the way, this is Alan Rickman's first movie ever. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Really? This his was his, first this ever? was uh, his film debut. It was this movie. What? Interesting. Yep. So uh, he's uh, saying that they're in total control of the situation when the elevator door opens up and he has a very dead and very bloody Tony with a Santa hat on and a message written on his sweater. And uh, does anyone want to say what the message uh, was read? Hold yes. On. Yeah. Yes. What was it? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Okay. Max, can I say it? Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. Huh? And huh? my huh? my my dick ripped right through my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I liked more, like the actual message or listening to Alan Rickman read. It. <laughs> huh? They're both huh? pretty awesome. Huh? I like when he has to read it out loud so like everyone will get it. I mean, right. I mean to be fair, some maybe they don't all read English, maybe they speak it, but that's an amazing. It is. I would say, even as a child, I appreciated that. I was like, now I have a machine gun. It's like, but they don't even know who the fuck this guy is, which is the best part. I, I like, know. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, they're starting to freak out. Um, yes. And also, so Rickman, he's uh, he doesn't speak German, so he was just like spitting a bunch of German gibberish during the scene when he's talking to his guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very impressive. So while the bad guys are whispering to each other um, in the elevator, McLean is hiding above them and writing down his hit list on his arm and crosses Tony off. Ooh. <laughs> and um, also, Tony. Bruce Willis was actually on top of the elevator for that scene, and then for the next scene when he starts going up to the roof. Yeah, yeah that's what happened. No, no, I'm saying like he was actually on top of the elevator, though. Oh, the, like, that it wasn't, wasn't like a stunt. It was, it was real. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, so that's and, cool. Yeah, that was cool. Thank you. Thank you for that, Max. <laughs> I know that, that, is, that would be you know, a so pretty I, cool scene to shoot. What? That would be a pretty cool like scene to shoot. I would oh. like to see oh, yeah. like the inner workings of an elevator. So Tim, maybe that maybe that part earlier where we said you sounded good, maybe we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> can you what? can you hear me now? Yeah, you're a little, little fuzzy, but we're gonna make the best of it, Tim. You know, yeah, I'm sure it sound good actually when it comes out. That's what friends do. Yep. Oh, good. It's okay. I can only hear about, you know, a quarter of what Preble says half the time, so it's okay. It sounds like about like you're communicating with us underwater. <laughs> Are you talking shit to me, Max? <laughs> <laughs> 
that being said, I will like just point out that there have been at least like two or three incidents throughout this movie, which I just think is hilarious, and I never noticed as like a child that John McClane is just obsessed with boobs. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he has been looking at these. There's the 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 airline stewardess, like a couple like just posters randomly, and I was just thinking, I'm like, he's getting his bags. Like, he's looking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those, those it's random posters, man. Those oh, yeah. were that was awesome. Are fucking hilarious yeah. and I'm just thinking because it's never really explicitly said why he and Holly are having breakups I'm like maybe it's because he's looking at like tits he's just slash at titties right yeah, yeah. I, just, I have no idea but I just think I'm like every I have my notes so often I'm like like focus John and stop looking at boobs John like I have it like five times it happens at least five different times where he's just like he's just like looking at meanwhile like there are like terrorists everywhere and he's like still getting you know bamboozled by tits well alright let's hmm. calm down something I'd like to point out uh, you know there, there's the old thing from uh, Mitch Trubisky he said Sundays are for kissing titties alright <laughs> <laughs> guys guys it's all gonna come back around December 25th, 1988, was a Sunday. Oh. Bruce Willis was all about some kissing titties. <laughs> that makes more sense now why Holly's like shirt is like buttoned halfway down and she's wearing a push-up bra. Oh, wait until the end of the movie. Yeah. That's one of the first times I noticed that too. I'm like, nice. nice. <laughs> Matt's like, nice. nice. <laughs> South Park, South Park always strikes again. Every like right. every other. South Park. So you're telling me this young boy is having sex with a hot older teacher? <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're gonna arrest him for being the luckiest boy in the world. <laughs> well, you're gonna get a couple nice. of lines from that cop too in this movie later on. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ. All right. So John gets to the top of the roof, makes a call uh, to the police on his walkie-talkie, but Hans and Carl hear it, and uh, Carl runs up looking for blood. And i uh, got to say, Bruce Willis is like the perfect amount of asshole in this movie as well, just because the police operator's you know, saying, like, sir, this line is reserved for emergencies only. He's like, no fucking shit, lady. It's not like I'm ordering a fucking pizza. Dude, the cops in this movie are fucking... <laughs> Retarded people. <laughs> the LA cops are awful in this. <laughs> they are. It's worse than than fucking Rodney King LA cops. I mean, this is this is. They're fucking terrible. Dude, these two operators. I mean, did they just hire? Did they hire them from a modeling agency? <laughs> I mean, they, they couldn't. They couldn't be more apathetic about their jobs. Well, it, they're just like they're like act like what a cumbersome. This person's like calling me and asked me wants to do something. Well, he's also well, yelling like asshole. police code yeah. too. He's like, I got like a seven one seven or whatever, and they're like, Sir, this is right, for exactly. Well, and they hear gunfire, yeah. and they're like, ah, uh, Send a black and white over there to look at it. It's like, wait, right. what? Yeah. And who's that black and white? Carl Winslow getting some Twinkies. I love the fact that this that the clerk is giving the cop shit <laughs> no. about being fat right. as fuck. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, at least he's a cop. <laughs> You're some schlub behind some, like, 7-Eleven. No offense <laughs> to the schlubs in the 7-Eleven. <laughs> how do you I think, mean, how do think Preble survives? <laughs> and I was going to say, really? <laughs> I murder them and I inhabit their skin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just thought that you got the old hot dogs out of the dumpster. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what you meant. Yes, of mm, course. Yes. Mm, of course. Yeah. By, now we've, by now, you guys have deciphered that Preble is the taquito killer. <laughs> <laughs> and you and he together make quite the formidable opponents. I was say, oh, yes. Tim and I are part of the... Might, might I say the 
non United Nations. <laughs> oh my god! I just imagine Tim in his office, and Preble pulls up in a food truck, and that's their fucking evil plan. <laughs> just full of just dead bodies in the back. Yeah. Dead bodies and salmonella poisoning. <laughs> oh god! Also, um, so Winslow he looks up at the uh, the skyscraper. And you cut back to it, and like there's just a million rounds of machine guns going off. So like you just can't right. hear that, I guess, because they're too high up. Pretty sure that would echo, right? I mean, to a point, but I mean, he was he was pretty far away. So you maybe uh, I would say you wouldn't, but sporadic lights on a on the top of a building would. I mean, that's not I mean, normal, right? I mean, you'd hear fireworks. They're higher than that building usually, right? Well, but fireworks are probably louder. They're explosions. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean they're. I mean, it's fine. Guys, All let's right. not question my scientific mind, okay? <laughs> All right, well, uh, McLean, he's getting cornered, but he's able to shoot down a maintenance door. And uh, this is when he runs by some titties. He just goes ladies, or he just goes girls, and just slaps his hand against <laughs> Slap some titties. <laughs> just slap the titties. Could you ever imagine having the wherewithal to be literally being chased by terrorists and being like, still like, boobs? And just grabbing out. I find that impossible to believe. Tim? Uh, to answer your question, to answer your question, Mike, I could imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well said. Tim. Oh, well said. Shit. <laughs> That's well, all like, I wrote on my notes. I just wrote titties again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what else are you supposed to say? Uh, and also, the music changes for a minute too. It goes like <laughs> a. It's like campy, yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect movie. I don't. It's, know. it's great. I laugh every time I see titties. it. titties. It's yeah. It, without fail, you always laugh. Um, all right, so he sticks his gun in this AC van, uh, AC fan, excuse me. Uh, but the bad guys are right there, and McLean has to rush out and he slices part of his bare foot in the process. Well, like, can, and then the bad guys come through and they shoot the fan. Why don't you just do that? Just shoot the fan motor. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think it's because McLean didn't want to make noise. They already knew where the fuck he was. Or save bullets. No, you want to know why? It's because McLean's a red-blooded American. He knows that it's some guy's job to go up there and fix that goddamn fan. He's not going to try and make more work for that guy. He knows. He knows. And McLean doesn't know the whole of roof is going to explode. Right. You know? But that being said, I thought it was really... I made a note. I was like, man, Bruce really thinks this gun is a Swiss Army knife. He's using it for everything. <laughs> he is. He's blocking fans. He's using it as like a propeller thing is like to like... You know, lower himself down. Yeah, like an anchor shaft. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Fuck's sake, Bruce!" I get it, but you know what? Like, you go beyond guns. Like, let's think beyond. Can we please? No, because I'm in the south. God damn it! <laughs> Use your gun for everything. That's how I turn my lights right. off. I just shoot them. How do you <laughs> pick my teeth with them? I was about to say, yeah. How do you think I pick my teeth? Scratch my back. Scratch my balls. <laughs> get drugs out of my butthole. <laughs> Precisely. Well, Tim was just talking about the maintenance guy, and it just made me think, like, what if there was just a, another movie, and it's just, like, the maintenance and the janitors for this building after Die Hard happens? <laughs> They're just like, oh, my God. What the fuck? Going up to that bathroom, it's like, there's so much blood. <laughs> oh, Why would you shoot an interior fan? What the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> the funniest scene would be, oh, my God, is there cum on that desk? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, no. <laughs> Is that cocaine or cum? 
I think it's both. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Is there any That's going to take hours. No. Fuck. All right. Well, uh, McLean's in a real pickle here because the elevator's locked and he's got nowhere to go. And, um, again, great job by Bruce Willis because in other action movies like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, they just, like, fire a machine gun through a wall and just jump through landing on, like, a naked woman or something. But uh, in this movie little more realistic because he's got this like panicked look on his face and he's just whispering un- under his breath oh shit oh fuck ah oh, what the fuck he's like a real human being yeah. like that's even if you were a cop you would still be scared shitless like it's fuck? me against like 16 germans it's like oh right. god that's why subtly like the the scenes where he's talking to himself and like doubting himself are very like important to the believability of the movie cuz yeah. you know that's just what a normal person would be doing. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, what am I doing here? What is happening? <laughs> There's so many scenes of him just going, what the fuck? Oh, shit. Right, exactly. He does that oh, fuck. internal monologue. Yeah. I mean, at all. He's, he's, that's what I wrote down earlier. So it's like, for being a cop, he's not very stealthy at all. I mean, he's he's constantly like talking to himself and screaming and like banging his knee on desks and shit. Yeah. I guess, like, I was thinking that, like, the like the internal monologue, it would just be weird in this movie if it's just Bruce Willis silent, and then it's just him and his voice saying all that stuff. Yeah. Like, like the movie Guess Who or something, but, or Look Who's Talking, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah. maybe, maybe Baby yeah. Geniuses. Makes it better. <laughs> I wouldn't know, Derek. No, not Baby Geniuses. <laughs> never. We never. never. Originally go down that path. Never. Isn't it funny that you guys consider yourself fortunate for us doing Batman and Robin? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, McLean, he's able to jump down into this air vent and uh, get one of the more famous shots of Bruce Willis inside this vent with a lighter uh, talking to himself, saying, you know, come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. Well, uh, bad guy Carl sees the light go out and starts uh, tapping his machine gun against the vents, uh, but leaves right before he gets uh, gets to McLean because a police car has now shown up. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot of like very suspenseful moments like that in this movie. Mm. I was very pleased. And that was a moment in which he was very stealthy because he very slowly cocked that that gun. Didn't want to make any noises. But we all know how to cock a gun. We've all seen Under Siege. You cock <laughs> it. You, you cock it with your pointer finger. So I've got to I've got to call that problem out in this movie. I was gonna say I was gonna say Derek. Yeah, you and me are on the same page here. I mean, <laughs> obviously Bruce Willis did not go to the uh, the Steven Seagal firearm school. I'm gonna tell you what. Every every time I've had my gun in my hand, shooting it wildly into the air, I've uh, I've cocked it with my pointer finger from here on out because Steven Seagal taught me a very valuable lesson. <laughs> just, I just picture just the, the six foot four, two hundred fifty pound Derek just flailing his arms like Seagal and just shooting guns in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Winslow is just circling around very slowly in the front entrance and speaks with the front desk guy who's just acting like an everyday man with his Texas accent and his football gambling. And uh, Winslow, being the fat, lazy cop that he is, just uh, goes ah the hell with it. And luckily for him, he leaves because if he took another step down that hallway, he would have been met with a gun and a bad guy. <laughs> Thank God for Urkel. God. Yeah. Praise. I, say. I, I just have written, haha, body. <laughs> Good enough. Well, uh, meanwhile, McLean is trying to break down one of the windows when a few bad guys bust in and start firing. But McLean gets both of them, especially the second guy who looks like the prison rapist from Roadhouse, because he gets a solid five gunshots to the dick. Dude. Well, and like he, he dives out of the way and tries to escape by easily the most 
you know, the, the quickest route possible. It, crawling under a wiggly table, a fucking curvy <laughs> table. And the whole time the dude's shooting under the table because he knows exactly where he is. The moment he decides to stop is when McLean has a target of his cock and balls. Blam, 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 blam. Six I, to seven times. God. Right? The dick balls. Dick shots. <laughs> I, I have literally been down. Does this guy think bullets can't go through wood? <laughs> like, like what could... I mean, they're ripping through, like, steel and all this other shit. And he's like, ah, I'm perfectly, you know, I'm perfectly safe from any sort of bullets this guy might have as I sit on top of this table. It's like, you idiot. Go back to Germany. He thought it was a... Back to Germany. He thought it was a special Japanese table. We all we all know that Japanese tables. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I don't need to explain. I don't need to explain myself further because we all know about Ginsu tables. So continue, Max. Fine wood. Fine wood. Yeah. Indeed. So the the, the only finer wood is Tim again. Okay. Mm. Every episode, there's always a weird trend that we go into, and this one is the uh, the homoerotic (laughs) episode, apparently. So you never know home. what you're going to get with the dicks in the back row, but I guess it's going to be a gay theme in this one. <laughs> to the listeners get at home. lathered up, boys, because I'm getting greasy. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to tell all the listeners at home, you're welcome. Hi, Miss Mahoney. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you're enjoying this. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to my sweet girlfriend, Sarah Dew. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. To so reassure that Derek is not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not gay. Derek Brady. And that Tim almost was. <laughs> Tim almost went home with a case of the gays. <laughs> so now we're to- turning from the homoerotic to the homophobic podcast very quickly. <laughs> We have, a, we have a real special brew here. Oh. Like just, uh, All right, let's yeah. get back to the podcast and the movie. Yeah, <laughs> Enough idea. of this. So Winslow is singing Let It Snow and just waddling back to his car, and McLean needs to do something to get his attention. So what does he do, guys? Throws a body out the window, yeah. and it lands on his hood. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And at the same time, too, some of the other terrorists see it and they just start firing, just raining bullets at Winslow. And you know, Winslow just goes like, "Ah, oh, God damn it! Jesus H. Christ!" <laughs> Freaking out. <laughs> well, and, and and later on in the movie, you get a point where Bruce Willis goes, "Oh, I know you're from the streets because I saw the way you drive." All he did was throw it in reverse and just fucking hit the gas. There was no evasive driving whatsoever. I think he's busting his balls. <laughs> he's an asshole. That was the attitude of most cops under the Dinkin, uh, Dinkins era in New York, so I think it's just <laughs> fitting, you know. Yeah. Dinkins! Okay. <laughs> um, also, I do love that Argyle is just cheesing like Stevie Wonder, listening to music with uh, the big stuffed teddy bear in the backseat while this police car is flying in reverse on fire and practically exploding <laughs> in the background. Dude, I love the fact that Argyle, for three quarters of this movie, is trying to set up his Friday night pussy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying Argyle's like my spirit animal this guy I love him he's like no he thinks I'm in Vegas baby but I'm here in a garage it's like oh okay on Christmas Eve I mean there are yes. there are military grade explosives going off in this building and he's just hanging he's just hanging drinking whiskey chasing pussy 
listening, yeah, to everything from Run DMC to Michael Jackson to you know whatever it may be. That guy's he, he's the fucking man. Gives no shits. <laughs> So uh, while all this is happening, you have the scumbag reporter hearing Winslow freaking out over the intercom. So this whole situation is about to get more serious, especially after 50 cop cars pull up to the building. And um, I love that Ellis smiles and says, I never thought I'd, I'd love to hear that sound. Well, but even before, you know, you get back to the point of how incompetent these fucking cops are. But, you know, uh, uh, Urkel's dad goes, well, you know, what about the guy that fell out the window and the, the deputy whatever yeah, we'll get was. there in a minute. I thought we were already there. Are we not already there? No. No, we're not. It's okay. There we go. There we go. Right. We're there. That's okay. <laughs> what's, what's a podcast without one <laughs> one instance of me skipping eight to ten minutes ahead? Yeah, as you say, I'm tired of all this seeing what the, the, the evil guy from Ghostbusters, from the EPA from Ghostbusters, who's now like the TV guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He is that dude. That's right. He is. Yeah, yeah. shit. That's, I just kept recognizing people, him and the vice principal from the breakfast yep. club. Was, <laughs> yep. I was like, holy shit. Just a couple, yeah, just a couple of classic that guys. Yeah. That I asshole guy. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't I hadn't seen this movie in years and I was like, oh my god, you're all here the gang's all here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you cut the Hans telling his men that it's okay having the cops involved was always part of the plan. So just let them fumble around outside. And uh but then uh, McLean does get the bag with detonators from uh, the roadhouse dead guy and calls Hans on the walkie-talkie saying he killed a few more of his men. And uh, they start just, you know, trash-talking a little bit. And you get that famous yippee-ki-yay motherfucker line as well. Um, which also, Willis, he said that was a joke just to make the crew laugh. Like, it wasn't meant to be in the movie. It wasn't? Classic, wow. It's a classic. So, uh, after this, uh, Carl comes back and tells uh, Hans that uh, McLean wasn't lying. And he has the, de- the detonators, which is not part of Hans' plan. What? No. Mother so, of God. Sweet baby Jesus. So after this, uh, trucks full of SWAT members show up as well as the dickhead detention teacher from the Breakfast Club playing the deputy chief of police, Derek, who's uh, just comically wrong about everything. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that was, uh, like I say, very, very cavalier cops. You know, one, yeah. I love this guy. Uh, He's hilarious. He was he was actually like I, in this first scene I was like dude fuck this guy but by the end of the movie fucking love him because he's just such a bumbling fucking retard he's so oh, dude he plays like he plays like the best dipshit ever yes. I mean really does it's great His he's a, like, is so good yeah it's great he's like, I know what's going on here oh wait a second no yeah. shit oh no right. I think he's a cop what gives you that idea I don't know the things he's saying. Oh, Jesus Christ. He could just be a fucking bartender for all we know. Mm-hmm. What if he's one of the bad guys? You ever think of that? Also, Holly becomes a point of contact for the hostages, and that uh, main name callback pays off right here as well. Just trimming that fat. Everything pays off. Exactly. So, hey, Max, can someone, you can help me trim someone... some fat. What? Like my fat? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just keep on watching Die Hard. You'll lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I, it's always a good sign when the podcast has at least a couple of dead dead sex of air and then Max saying, what? <laughs> to, to something Paco said. Like, I just want to make sure I heard this correctly. Is that what? Oh, okay. All right, yeah. let's, for, yeah, reference, let's for reference, guys, I've had one beer tonight. <laughs> just also, who I am now. Also, for reference, uh, my internet fucking sucks at my house, so half the time when I'm interrupting people, it's not on purpose. 
<laughs> I'm just impatient, so I interrupt everyone all the time. <laughs> Derek has a lot of things to say. Okay, now it's my turn to talk. Yeah, always. <laughs> all right, cut back to the breakfast club. Chief making a first of many bad choices by bringing in his entire SWAT team without knowing for sure if the building's full of hostages and men that are fully armed with lots of weapons. But I'm sure that that'll just work out fine. Because if there were hostages and there were bad guys, they would have said something by now. Well, and again, the the most incompetent cops, they're walking through like bushes. And then I like one of them scene. gets stabbed by like a little branch. He goes, ow! <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? I wrote that down. It's one of, my, one of the most underrated scenes of the entire movie. And yeah, bumping into that, that thorn. <laughs> and then, and then, the, then we get back and they're ready to go in. And they go, okay, we're ready. Kick ass. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. At, at some point around here, um, Carl delivers one of his many great like little disses to the chief, where I think he says, uh, I think he says, why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? Yeah. I, just, I really, I really like that one. one. I was like, oh man, I'm going to use that. Yeah, he's smart. <laughs> Smart, witty shit. Um, also, Preble, another one of those guys. So, uh, the Asian bad guy who takes a crunch bar out while just waiting to kill the SWAT team. Is, uh, is he? He's one of the main ninjas from Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Thank yeah. you, Max. I was going to say, otherwise I was a tremendous racist. He's, like, he's the like, guy, guy. Dude, he's in every he's in every 80s action movie. I'm not even kidding. He's a lethal weapon. He's like running around oh, in the background aggressively. Yeah. He's the guy who le- electrocutes Mel Gibson in *Leak of the Weapon*. Oh shit! One, okay. the first movie. Oh my they God. call him Yoshi. Yo, is he really Yoshi? Yeah. Because I I saw him and I was like, this guy looks really familiar. And I literally I wrote down in my notes. I'm like, I wrote down, is this a guy from *Big Trouble in China*? And then I erased it because I was like, <laughs> nah, that that can't be my. Don't be terrible. <laughs> and then I was like, but I'm still. I'm glad you said that because I was like, this is him. This no. is the guy that throws the grenades. I love that guy. No, it's Jackie it Chan. Really... I was wrong. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Well, I guess I'll, you racist. I guess I'll exile myself. <laughs> I guess I have to go back to Chinatown and uh, <laughs> learn more about learn more about the culture. <laughs> I do love the music while like he's just kind of like eyeing the candy. He does. He gives like a second glance. He's like, should I? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna take a piece. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think I earned this one. Like, oh, okay. The Texas dude's just looking at him. He's like, "Are you fucking eating a crunch bar right now?" <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I am. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So uh, with the the call of kick ass by the doofus in charge, the bad guys shoot out the lights. Um, right after Winslow calls it, by the way, and, the, and then the deputy chief goes. They're taking out the lights after the last light is shut out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Winslow just like face bombs himself. Just, uh, I love it. it. <laughs> uh, so then they bring in a, a SWAT tank, but it's greeted with a fucking rocket launcher. Yeah. Explosions. Not once, but twice. Yeah, because McLean's pleading with Hans to uh, allow the cops to retreat, and Hans says he hears them and just orders another attack to finish off the tank. God. Well, and again, another another great moment by the uh, whatever is the deputy sheriff or whatever it is. He goes, "Hey guys, can we get in there and help them? They're they're burning." It's like, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they fucking are. Like, yeah, I think so. They're probably like eighteen pieces uh, burning right now. You think? Not gonna lie though, I was rooting for the Hans team when they're like frantically running to get this rocket launcher set up. <laughs> like, Come on, boys, you can do it. Let's go, let's go. Like, you know, like they like drop one of them. They're like, "Fuck it, forget it. Just keep on going." Like, "Come on, right. guys." And I, I thought that was going to come back, and it never fucking does. No. Well, it's not looking too good for the cops, but old John McClane has a plan of his own. 
when he takes some of that C4, sticks it on a computer, and puts it in a chair, and then throws it down the elevator shaft, and then you get a real, real, real big explosion. That was cool. And, and then the was... chief is like, you just blew up a building. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about this scene is fucking awesome, though, because you got right. the client going, Jeromino, motherfucker. And then uh, <laughs> before that, like he's like looking down. He's like, fuck me. Just the shaft. And then it starts, yeah. all the fire starts rising up. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> just like dives out of the way. <laughs> you got the deputy just going, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just had to say, I know he's John McClane, but does he really know how to use C4? <laughs> and also, it's like, wouldn't that just destroy the integrity of the building? Like, you just blew out, like, the third floor. Like, how are all the rest of these being okay? Like, it right. seems like a real problem. It was just, the thing that was, like, funneling this massive explosion up was just ductwork, which is just, <laughs> like, you know, a sixteenth of an inch, like, less than a sixteenth of an inch of just aluminum. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that the pressure of the explosion would have just blown that out and it just would have gone, you know, just would have blown out like the two floors and the whole yeah. building would have fallen down. Kind of like kind of like what happens when Tim takes a shit. <laughs> it's precisely, I mean, to be honest, it's physic like from a physics standpoint, it's exactly the same. <laughs> That's why Tim seals himself in. He's like, right, yeah. Tim, um, he withdraws all the air, trying to create some sort of vacuum. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fuck me. <laughs> also, the elevators in this movie get a lot of action. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, and then he also got the other uh, reporter just wide-eyed, saying, "Please tell me you got that." This explosion is fucking awesome. So uh, right after this, you get a. Uh, McLean just tearing the deputy chief a new asshole in like the most New Yorker way possible. Which is great, because you need to it. take down some LA people a fucking pig, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, listen, I've got a hundred people out here covered in glass. It's like, who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> but I get another another callback. We might come back to that. Who would give a shit about glass? Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Very astute. Very astute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it will say he does say like he does say butt fucked in this, and I just wrote great. butt fucked, ha ha, because I just haven't, I haven't heard that in a movie like right. I don't like I don't know a long team or long time either ever, and I was like God, this is exactly how people would talk. Like this is how yeah. people I hear every day talk. All right, well, cut back to the hostages, and Ellis is building up his courage, aka doing more blow, and then uh, <laughs> proceeds to use the Sparknote version of the art of the deal by saying that he can get the guy thereafter. With the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. Oh, dude, you missed one of the best lines in the entire movie, though. Oh, I think I know I what ne- you're getting at, Tim. Hit me I negotiate million-dollar deal, million dollar deals <laughs> yep. for breakfast. Yep. I think I can. Yeah. Well, I think I, can, I think I can handle some euro trash. Right. He started out with. He started out with. Hey, babe. <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> hey, babe. I handle million-dollar deals for breakfast. Thus, continuing so, his uh, his like you know. His educational video of how not to treat women. (laughs) He's really going full Me Too here. He really, really, no offense to Sheryl Sandberg, really leaned in to the Me Too movement. Oh, God. What are you doing? My next note here is I love how how Hans is just playing along with uh, Ellis' coke-fueled gibberish while Carl is just staring at the cold steel. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you've been there, right? 
Oh yeah, I I'm I was there last week when we were doing Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're we all, we all Tim Tim had his weapon. I had my knives. We all yeah. we all have our weapons. And I had my penis. Curse guys. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. God damn. <laughs> Max is like, get this bag on board, Max. Fucking impossible task. We're in the middle of this negotiation, Derek. Stop interrupting with your penis talk. I, f- I feel like we are all stop being an Ellis. Be more of a Hans. <laughs> we're, we're we're all Bruce Willis right now, and Max is the is the fucking assault rifle, just barely no. hanging on. Max is Hans. Max is Hans. We're all just like his henchmen, and he just can't. He's just like, oh god. Yep. Because I can't Hans believe is this the is the help I have. So also though the uh, the the Hans booby that that line was ablibbed in uh, Ellen Rickman's reaction of like the fuck you just call me was real. <laughs> that makes makes me a lot happier now. Now that I know this. One of a few very genuine reactions that Rickman has in this movie. So it seems like people just didn't uh, give Rickman the script, but uh, I'll get into that later on. <laughs> so uh, McLean and Carl are just having a heart-to-heart when Hans interrupts them and says that he now knows that he's John McLean and that he's an NYPD officer. And oh no, he's got a special friend on the line that wants to talk to him. Oh, can't be Holly. Nope, it's the cokehead guy who is trying to grab ass your wife. <laughs> You know, the guy playing Ellis is just like, he's so hateable that you like him. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, you know, he's going on. He's like, if, if uh, you don't give over the detonators, they're going to kill me. It's like, smile, thumbs up to Hans. He is the, like, archetype of a, you know, 80s businessman. Just, like, totally oblivious to, like, everything except him and business. So <laughs> it's just, it's just like. Just doing yeah. deals with Putin in Russia 30 years later. Right, exactly. Like, he just really, like, you, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I was rooting for him to die, like, mm-hmm. that whole scene. <laughs> well, see, oh, I, yeah. just imagine, I just imagine him pulling his business card out, and it turns into the scene with Christian Bale in American Psycho, <laughs> <laughs> where he, like, hands it to him, and he's like, oh, my God, there's, there's raised fucking, there's raised ink on this, and it's a 75 stock, and, you know. It's two water splashes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ellis is just blabbering away while McLean's pleading with Hans to let him go, and he doesn't even know who he is. When Hans kind of just shrugs his shoulders at Ellis, blam, he kills Ellis. And now Hans is getting a little worked up and says that he wants the detonators, or else he's going to eventually kill somebody that McLean actually does care about. All right, well, after this, uh, Hans, goes, Hans goes back to his script uh, to waste the police's time and demands a bunch of terrorists to be released, including the Asian Don. Tough to get the Asian Don out, you know? And, and, and I thought it was pretty humorous where everybody kind of like stands what? up and like looks around like, who? Yeah, McLean and goes, even he doesn't know. Fuck? Yeah. Even he doesn't know. Yeah, He's Carl's like, oh, like I read about him in Time Magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then he says that he's got to send all the hostages up to the roof and he wants a helicopter and a flight out of LAX in two hours uh, but they'll come back again later Uh, meanwhile just uh, what's his name the deputy commissioner just like fumbling around um, it's gonna take me more time you can't come on two hours that kind of authority I'll take it from here. Whoa, hold on a second here. <laughs> he becomes immediately flummoxed, immediately like, it's like, I can't deal with this at all. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Well, after this, you meet Agents Johnson and Special Agent Johnson of the FBI. 
Oh god. That was that was that was South Park. It's everywhere. This is half of South Park's episodes are these two guys. I love it. Uh. They're just swinging the Johnsons trying to take over the operation. Yeah, no no relation. Yeah. Well, we're in charge. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I love but it. I feel like I feel like most of the like the stuff that people make fun of, like that that all started with Die Hard. It did. Like then just a bunch of movies started copying Die yeah. Hard. Like that's this brings me to my next great Carl Winslow line when the chief goes, The FBI's here, and then Carl Winslow goes, Do you want a breath mint? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good line. I loved it. God, such a fucking what a what a goddamn performance, I have to say, by by Carl Winslow. Right? He oh, fucking right. wins the movie for me. Everything is perfectly crafted. Like he yep. is fucking on point. Yeah. He's just, he's the smartest dude in the movie too. He yeah. is. He's predicting everything. It's like not like right, he actually, yeah. he, he's very articulate. <laughs> right, yeah. He's like really like the comebacks leave you nowhere to go. It's like you just have to accept the fact that you just lost. Like that's how good the <laughs> that's how good the jabs are. <laughs> God Reginald Vell Johnson. What a man. <laughs> well, uh Hans McLean, they bump into each other and you get a, a great eighty yard American accent by Rickman acting like a stray hostage. Ugh. That was pretty yeah. bad. Oh God, don't kill me! Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad, and it sounded ju- oddly as bad as the accent was. It sounded just fucking like him. It did. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I literally have a. I literally have a line here. That says he still sounds like Hans John Christ. Also, <laughs> he keeps making devil eyes at you. Like every time oh he's like looks away. He's like, oh, I'm going to murder you, John. He's like, ah, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait this guy a might not second. be on the level. Yeah. Especially when uh, Hans and McLean, they're, uh, they're just chit chatting and, oh no, McLean gives Hans a gun. Oh to which, my uh, God. Oh, fuck. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Which Hans immediately gets on the radio, speaking German, and uh, holds McLean at gunpoint. But it was a setup because McLean isn't dumb. But uh, before he Fuck could, you, Hitler! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, before he can get any uh, answers out of Hans his entire crew blasts out of the elevator and just starts firing at him so you're just getting kneecap shots and just exploding chests and just oh, a lot dude. of bullets <laughs> the death scene oh that that is the the best death scene <laughs> it's awesome in cinema history and I'm not kidding like, like the fucking up with bullet holes. <laughs> oh, dude, the the legs exploding and then him just taking a fucking swan dive into a plate glass window. It's like what? <laughs> that is the best best death scene ever. It's so awesome. Like the whole thing is fucking fantastic. And yeah, it's really good. But smart move again by uh, by Hans because he he tells uh, Carl to aim for the glass because he knows that he's not wearing any shoes. So they fire like a thousand rounds into the glass. Yes. And you don't need to fire that many bullets of glass. Yeah. I think it breaks when you shoot one. But that, <laughs> even, but that makes it even better because it is like it. I mean, whenever you watch this scene, like you have to turn the volume down on the TV because it is so loud and there's just so many bullets going off. But, right. but then you got Bruce Willis just going, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> but now, touching on earlier, glass. Mm. Who the hell cares about glass? Glass. You well, know who wouldn't have to care about glass? Because even though John mentioned when he first killed not whatever the other guy, the the one with the great sweater Tony. that Tim loved. Thank you. Tim, put can, your penis he, away. 
I was going to say, he, <laughs> he had tiny size shoes, but yeah. I mean, I literally, I have my notes. John, why didn't he keep looking for shoes? He's killed like 10 people. <laughs> right. Like, fuck it. Someone else has to have a some some other type of shoe that you can fucking put on your feet. And this whole glass episode does not need to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, instead of just using newspaper that he does later on. <laughs> <laughs> like a hobo. Probably. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I got a ton of newspaper. What about it? I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the periodic. I don't know. What, just just leave me alone, damn it. Okay? Probably likes getting his news in print. Back off. I know, exactly. These TV, these kids today don't know anything about the news. As he wraps his feet. And when he's done with the newspaper, it's good for insulation. You know, exactly. Yeah. I can shove it in my, my thin, thin coat so I don't freeze to death anymore, right? God, just leave me alone. I got a plan. <laughs> As people are just walking down across the uh, the sidewalk, just looking at Preble while he's saying <laughs> they, all they, this. They also must be <laughs> amazed that, that I can afford a fucking laptop. That's what I was going to say. This motherfucker can't afford shoes. Don't lie. You're doing this in the middle of the public library right now. <laughs> oh, good. It's the Pissville Public Library. <laughs> This, Thank man, you, this man who's writhing around on the side of the pavement in his boxers <laughs> has, a, has a laptop and a snowball microphone. <laughs> oh. Some would say he's not judicious with his money. And that would be me. <laughs> okay, well, he leaves uh, the dead nares behind. And he's in real bad shape. And he's cleaning up his wounds in the bathroom. Uh, when he find out that Carl Winslow shot a kid in the line of duty. And I got this little monologue that's uh, probably more relatable today than it was even back then about police shootings and unarmed kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's touching home right now. Uh, uh, and that's the reason why Carl had to leave Chicago. Yep. <laughs> most most people right. do come to Dicks in the Back Row for our political stances. Mm-hmm. As they've on listened thus far. That's about to say on, on abortions mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Precisely. Let's go let that simmer. <laughs> All right. Well, we find out the reason for this whole staged hostage situation because after a, uh, a great uh, argument scene with the FBI and the police happens, uh, they cut off the power. I'll get into this in a minute, but they cut off the power to the building, which allows Theo to break through the last wall of the vault, and now they can steal all the money and samurai armor. So, another one of these lines, though. So you got the deputy commissioner going. I'm going to have the mayor in my ass for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so I got to check with the mayor about, oh, God. Mayor's going to have my ass. <laughs> and then you got the other guy in the hole going, but I can shut the power off from here. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. I actually. got the ring right here. I can do it right now. <laughs> I mean, the whole that whole scene is just kind of, I mean, I, there aren't many holes in Die Hard for me, but this one was kind of a hole because... Officer Johnson, or what is it, Robinson or Johnson, right? Oh, there's two Johnsons, two big Johnsons. No, the other Johnson. Yeah, Officer Johnson goes to the guy in the manhole. He goes, listen, shut it off, you have your job. But the guy's boss, who presumably would be the one that would fire him, was standing outside of the hole right next to him and didn't want him to do it. So in reality, the threat was empty. It's like, I'm an electrician. I don't think the FBI can fire me. Yes, right, exactly. exactly. I'm sure there's a union. Can I can I just be 100% clear? I literally have written down. I don't think the FBI can fire people. You know why I don't think so? Because they can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real thing they can do. 
They're the fucking FBI. They, they're not in charge of municipal government. Give me a fucking break. No, no way is he getting fired. It's ridiculous. I do love, though, that he's on the intercom. He's like, hey, I'm going to need you to shut off grid 112. And the guy on the other line's like, what are you, fucking nuts? <laughs> Have you got grid mad, man? All the power <laughs> shut off. Not grid 112. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, and, and again, like... On Christmas the, Eve? The deputy commissioner or whatever it is, he goes, do you know how many people are celebrating Christmas right now? It's like, motherfucker, there's an active hostage situation going on. Fuck those people. Yeah, you're also in the business sector of L.A., so... Right. I mean, exactly. I was going to say, I don't think that's really the concern. No. You know? There's literally zero people in this building, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody else around. Well, the FBI, so the power shut off, and the FBI's laughing, saying those bastards are probably pissing in their pants right now. And then, you got the, again, you got Dwayne's going, the mayor's going to be on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut to the bad guys just skipping and giggling with all the money. It really is too good. I was going to say, also... I think I think one of the uh, what's it one of the FBI agents is the uh, one of the brothers from oh now I'm blanking on it God damn it what's it uh, the the movie with all the kids and they're searching for the, the Goonies Thank you the Goonies he is he is yeah he is he is yeah. one of the brothers yes and and um the guy with like the really horrible skin he was like one of the villains in um the like Timothy Dalton James Bond movies Oh he was Yes oh, he oh yeah Yep Oh God. License yep. to Kill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yep. What, a, what a movie. What a <laughs> so, film. Yeah, I have a question. In that one. I have a question. Why are Barabons always a thing people are trying to steal in like eighties action movies? I don't get that. It's like what's special about a Barabond? That's exactly what I was going to say. Is everything they're stealing, they're going to have to offload. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's you right. Just you don't just automatically become rich off of these. You're going to have to sell them, and yeah. surely they're trackable. Yes. I mean, are you not yeah. going to be sitting on a beach earning 20%? Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that was... That's the plan. I mean, Hans told me this. So, <laughs> you know, that's a plan. Whether it's a good plan, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm wondering because I'm wondering if we should steal a bunch of Barabons. I mean, they, they seem like everyone... It seems like everyone's after them. You know what I mean? Should we, should we pull off Ocean's 4 and get immediately caught and that be the end of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. No, no, no. Let's just call the Dawson brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. They would just steal us a bunch of Lincoln Tavern bucks. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't get the bear bones, but I got a lot of beef jerky. <laughs> and a couple Stop of brioche buns. I know a spot that's got at least $150. It's Lincoln Tavern. It's like, oh god. Oh no. <laughs> and the hottest honey's at the end of the night, and then Chris and her just go dancing off, <laughs> <laughs> just, just just dancing down the sidewalk, like, like David a, Bowie like, and Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like to give a, a quick shout out to all of our good friends, and, and Tim, you probably know where I'm going with this. Bill Dooley. Um, <laughs> yep. Bill, hope you're doing well up in Portland. We all miss you. <laughs> Funny so thing is, is, none of these guys listen to the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> so where Bill is 100% decided. He's like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> Bill said, I liked your Jurassic Park episode. Like, why would you like uh, that one, Bill? Well, you're going to hate everything else, <laughs> Bill. Every once in a while, Bill, actually, to be honest, every once in a while, Bill will text me out of the blue and be like, I liked this about this episode and I didn't like this about this other episode. And, I, and I, I'm always like, you're, wait, you're listening to these? <laughs> and I'm like, you're listening to them in, in, in enough detail that you have comments on them? He'll basically say, hey, I liked your point here, 
That's what I liked about this episode. I didn't like that Derek was in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> this old Derek character, if I may, that you have here, can we write him out of the show? Is that possible? I could write through the lines a little bit from what yeah. I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> they were very gaping lines. I could crawl right through. It was fat and obtrusive as I am. <laughs> I don't even know where we are in this fucking movie. <laughs> I think oh, we're to man. the point where they just shut down the power. They do. All right. So Gruber. Johnson Gr- agents again. Yes. Let's get back to it. Fuck. So Gruber <laughs> gets on the walkie-talkie with Agent Johnson. No, the other one. And uh, each one of the things that they have the upper hand, because Johnson says, we've released your comrades and your helicopters are on the way, while Gruber says that they're going to blow up, blow the roof with all the hostages on it. And by the time they realize that they are in the rubble, they're already going to be on the beach, like Preble said, collecting 20%. Yay. I don't like that 100%. scene. I don't like that line. Yeah, That's the only I line don't. I'm like, I kind of roll my eyes on that one. That yeah. does not seem like him. No. Again, they say that the, the Johnsons say, yeah, they're like, well, what's your estimate here? They're like, oh, well, we're going to lose 20 to 25% of the hostages. I can live with that. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Is that how these work? Um. Because before they actually do that, though, so the FBI has no idea what's going to happen, and but McLean does, and before he can tell Winslow that they're going to get double-crossed, big blonde Carl shows up, and they start brawling. What a fight. Boom. Yeah. And at the it really same time, was a good fight. It is a great fight. It was. I was trying to write notes for it, because they cut to, like, six different things, and they're still fighting. <laughs> right. Like, what I like about all these fights is that like none of them are like choreographed. That's like actually how you fight. Like even the first one, they're when they're fighting the other the great sweatered guy, and they mm-hmm. fall down the swear like the stairs. Like yeah, that's that's exactly how I would imagine this fight going. Like they're not like yeah. kung fu. This isn't like Steven Seagal fighting right, right, you know, right. Tommy Lee Jones. Some would say, but you know it's like. They're actually fighting each other. Like, yeah, that's exactly how they would fight. I I, I get sick of the action movies where everyone do, it doesn't matter who the fuck you, what character are, or like what background your character is. All of a sudden, you're a fucking kung fu expert. Yeah, you're Jason Bourne. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and actually, I I didn't write it down, but I was kind of thinking that because even like the way Bruce Willis is fighting in these scenes, like you can kind of see it's like the, the he's just like pissed off, like he's just right. over it all. He's just like fuck you, and he's just like you know yeah, he's, he's just talking a bunch of shit to uh to Carl too. He's like, I'm going to kill you like your fucking brother. Just, you know, just... Right. <laughs> right. That's the That's reason why... Like, he's getting tired. He's getting angry. Like, this is like a real thing as opposed to being like some like superhero who's never tired. Yeah. Like, never non-disciplined. Again, like, I'm not right. the biggest Bruce Willis fan, but this is like exactly what you would expect from someone who's just like, literally been murdering people like all night. It's like three in the morning. He's like, oh God, how many more? Yeah. So at the same time, all, all, all this fight's going on. Uh, Hans is getting ready to leave when the sleazy reporter gets on the TV and they find out that uh, Holly is the wife of McLean. Oh, no. What an idiot. And uh, so then you cut back to McLean and uh, Carl trading punches while the FBI shows back up in choppers. And this is like when they're talking about the 20% hostage situation, too. By the way, that chopper scene was real. It was like it was a one. There was one shot. It cost a million dollars for them to like swoop. Like two feet off the ground and go back up. Oh my god, that, that, was, that was real. Fucking real. Yeah, this holy like, all, shit. Yeah, like, practical. It's fucking nuts. I remember watching that like years ago on like inside, like inside the movies or something. 
That's uh, I, I mean, awesome. I was thinking in the movie, I was like, that's really irresponsible. Yeah. I saw it and I was like, wow, this looks really real. I wonder how they did this without it being real. I'm like, oh, wait. Mm. Before CGI and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, God. Impressive pilot there. That's fucking great. Um, back again to McLean and Carl fighting. And then McLean finally gets the upper hand and hangs Carl by a bunch of chains. It's fucking well, brutal. Did, did, did you guys catch the, uh, the Steven Seagal esque, like, judo chop? Yeah, that Carl tried Carl's to throw on McLean. Yeah, fails. <laughs> oh God, it was so funny. Does he go for the cheetah chop and then he gets hung? Is that what happens? Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's yeah. his yeah. fatal. Yeah. Yeah. He wraps his head around. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh God. His fatal flaw. He goes for the Steven Seagal head. He just <laughs> <laughs> just gets fucking hung. Uh, yeah, it was reality. Or the Austin, the Austin Powers judo chop. Judo trip. Like, no, no, don't do that. A foolish maneuver by by Carl. Only Steven Seagal can pull that move off. <laughs> it's been documented. Right. So uh, McLean runs up to the roof to find Holly, but she's in the vault. So uh, he starts firing into the air just to get all the hostage off, off the roof before it can blow. But uh, the FBI doesn't know that, and they start firing at McLean, which is also funny. He's like, you fucking assholes, I'm on your side. And uh, <laughs> But before that, I love the... the, the the helicopter swooping in, and the white Johnson mm. was like, Woo! Just like Saigon, eh, Slick? And the black Johnson goes, I was in high, I was in junior high, was, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a great line. That was but it's probably, it's, it's probably pretty accurate because I feel like there are a lot of FBI agents who, like, saw a little bit of action in combat and are now trying to relive that. Right. In oh, every yeah. moment they can. They can. Yeah, the uh, the other Johnson turns into a fucking psychopath like the second he gets a gun in his hand. It's like this guy just yeah, murdered right. a bunch of innocent people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you pan down on that guy, he's got a raging boner yeah. in his pants. Right. Yeah, he just loves killing civilians. Yeah, so they're firing at McLean, and right before the uh, agent Johnson can get a sniper shot off, McLean uses a water hose as a rope, jumps off the roof at the exact same moment that Hans hits the detonators and explosions. <laughs> That was a pretty pretty epic explosion. This this whole action, uh, like you know, multiple action scenes is fucking awesome. McLean he fires at the glass, swings himself back uh, into the building, like right as uh, the fire hose breaks, and then he's able to cut the uh, the the hose loose um, right at the edge of the building before he like falls off. And then meanwhile, there's just explosions are just exploding on top of explosions. And uh, the FBI chopper that's exploding is now exploding to the side of the building at the same time. I mean, welcome to the 80s, I felt like. That's what I wrote. I was like, God, explosions on explosions on explosions. But the the thing is, is it works. It works. Every every other movie where there's this this many explosions, you're always just like, oh my God. Like, what if this is like a corny, hacky movie? But in Die Hard, it just fucking works for some reason. It's just so good. I don't know. I don't. No, I can't really put my finger on why it's different in Die Hard than it is in other movies, but it definitely is. I think it's, it's probably like just a combination of just a really good director, like good music. It's like it's not too corny, and like the sound is great. It's just it, and it's it's witty and believable. That I think that's another thing too. Yeah, it goes back to like John McClane being the sort of like reluctant hero. Like mm. he really doesn't want to be doing this. No, so it's sort of like believable that he's just like. A, you know that this is all transpiring instead of just like yeah Yeah. right Right. i mean honestly early on the movie he doesn't even fucking want to be there no right exactly in the the same city no right 
That's right, actually like, that's like, that, that's his famous line, right? He's like, he's like, oh, just come out to the coast. Like, you have fun. He's like, fuck me. I could be in New York right now drinking like a fifth of bourbon. <laughs> right. you know, here I am yeah. murdering a bunch of German terrorists. With a Brooklyn slice of pizza in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Which just makes it incredibly funny. Which is, I mean, related but unrelated. But that's what I also love about Die Hard 3 is that he's just hung over in the entire movie. And he's just like, you guys, anybody have fucking aspirin? Like every single person he talks to, he's like, you got aspirin? <laughs> Please, somebody. It's r- relatable. <laughs> he's just miserable. Um, all right. But also hilarious, too, because all these explosions are happening. And you cut back to the uh, the breakfast club guy just going, holy Christ. We're going to need more FBI guys. Yeah, yeah that was good. <laughs> yeah, Once the whole roof blows and yeah, I was going to say that for those two pure evil FBI agents, they they really deserved it. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious. So as McClane jumps uh, out of the man built waterfall into the reception area, the elevator pings and you get more explosions. The last 30 minutes of this movie are essentially a Michael Bay film. Yeah, he wishes. <laughs> Michael Bray saw this movie and was like, this, this is my calling. What if we just don't have any plot and terrible actors and no development and all the explosions and we make it like 45 minutes longer? Yeah. I feel like Michael Bay has been trying to solve like a math equation for like 25 years. Like every, every time he does a movie, it just has this equation up on the whiteboard. It just says explosions plus tits equals Oscar. <laughs> and, and he's just sitting there puzzled, like tapping his chin with his finger. Like, why won't this work? <laughs> what am I missing? Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, so at the same time, all this shit's going on. Argyle's sneaking on Theo, who uh, pulled out an ambulance as their getaway car, but he's able to crash into it and then knock Theo out in one punch. So that's yeah. good. That's, uh, that's our hero, Argyle. Yeah, I will say, Argyle is smarter than every single police officer in this fucking movie, right? Oh, no question. Yeah, it's not no hard. Question. That's not hard. Every other one is dumb as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, if you, miss, if you just listen to McLean, you're going to be good. And only right. two people that are listening to McLean are the two smart guys in this movie. Yeah. Right. So you cut to the final uh, or the grand finale with McLean as just a burnt up bloody mess. And he only has two bullets left in his gun and the machine gun is empty. Oh shit, what's he going to do? Well, we'll find out right now because because <laughs> <laughs> Hans has Holly at gunpoint. And uh, he makes McLean drop the empty machine gun he's holding. And then McLean looks like he's just totally lost it and just starts cracking up, which makes Hans kind of like look at him sideways and he just starts laughing. And then the Texas dude doesn't want to be left out. So he just joins in and starts laughing as well. Oh, my God. (laughs) And, oh, sweet baby Jesus. McLean has a handgun taped to his back and blam, he shoots Hans and does a flashy cross-armed Shot to the head to the Texas dude who's still laughing as he gets a bullet in the forehead. Well, and again, this is also something that's from Always Sunny. There's an episode where Frank has a gun taped to his back. Oh, my <laughs> God. You're so right, dude. You're so right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even, that's, that makes that episode so much more funny. <laughs> because Frank's crawling around the ducks, too. Oh, God. Isn't that the one with Paco, the, you the just, triplets are out? Whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. Paco just changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I gotta pull my dick out to do that. <laughs> you ruined it. Now you ruined it. Dick things in this goddamn podcast. Well, Max, I'll, Max, I'll save it from that because a little bit earlier, for some reason, Holly's 
breasts were just out. Yep, tits out. Un- it tits out. I mean, like, but but why? Like, she's never, you know, again, other than for John, because he's has an obsession mm-hmm. with tits. It's like, it's like what it. is happening? Hans is stumbling out of the window of the building, and Holly's Rolex is caught on his arm. But uh, McLean is able to let go of the watch right before Hans makes a slow motion move to shoot McLean. And whoa, Nelly, down goes Hans. <laughs> Man, I hope that's not a hostage. Yeah, that was another great line. At a certain point, his like the deputy chief just starts delivering great funny one-liners. Like yeah. he's st- it's like it's not even like he's being a dick anymore. He it's just that he's yeah he recognizes the fact that he's a fucking idiot. He's <laughs> he is the real dick in the back row. Yeah, right. Exactly. Truly. Yeah. Again, I I have to say, I said this a couple times. I usually don't rewind things. I think I rewatched Alan Rickman falling ten times last night <laughs> when I was watching this because I think it is like one of the f- the best things I've ever seen in a movie. Is that, what his actual yeah. expression as he falls. Oh, yeah. I'm like this in the music. Nothing. Oh, God. That that explains a lot, Preble, because uh, I actually watched this on Preble's account, and when I pressed play. That was the scene that it started with, was Alan Rickman falling. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was watching late at night, and there was a tremendous amount of lotion. <laughs> As a result, Dirty I, Snape. Occlumens right, well, me now. <laughs> so I was going to save this for the trivia later, but I'll just say it now. So uh, his expression in that scene is also genuine because they actually dropped him um, from 20 feet up in, from the ground. And he was gonna, you know, land into like some kind of cushion. And they said, "All right, we're gonna drop you, drop you on the count of three. And they dropped him on the count of two. Yeah. Uh. So he's just ready. One, two, drop. He's just. <gasps> That's great, though. You yeah. know what? It's awesome. Because I was gonna say, because you look at his eyes, and he like his pupils like dilate. It literally, yeah. He looks like he's actually going to shit himself. He's like, oh no. <laughs> just it's fucking perfect. awesome. Um, it is. I love it. Yeah, like a lot of these things, it seems like they're just like, eh, he's never done a movie before, so he won't know better. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. He's a nobody. Uh, so Hans is still falling. He eventually does hit the ground, and he's dead. So uh, <laughs> the movie wraps up with McLean and Carl Winslow embracing, and the deputy commissioner showing up saying that he got a lot of explaining to do. But right before McLean can take a swing at this douche, old bad Carl comes back from the dead. But good guy Carl Winslow shoots him dead in his tracks. With some nice poetic justice. How is German Carl not dead? <laughs> I don't know. He's been hanging He's from been fucking chains for, yeah, twitching for at least half an hour. You're dead. Dead, dead, dead. Yeah. Nah, no way nah. he's okay. Nah, Preble, if you were to, if I, what, you, what I need you to do, I need you to go into my Google Drive. <laughs> I need you to go to my spreadsheet. That's a low percentage kill. That's a low percentage kill. Thank you. Thank you, Paco. Thank you, Paco. That's a low percentage kill. A chain hang? Nope. Nope. <laughs> to be to be fair, I should have really consulted with the get a job killer before I made such a bold statement. You should have. I, I mean, about what I think, what just I outrageous. Think <laughs> right. I'll tell you. So, you know. <laughs> Gotta go with the data here, guys. <laughs> It's like it's like sabermetrics for murder. <laughs> so before Holly and McLean bang in uh, the back of this limo, Holly smashes this uh, sleazy reporter in the face, and the movie ends with the song "Let It Snow." And uh, 
So pretty sure McClane and Holly would not be able to just drive away from this massive crime scene with like 15 no. dead bodies and a building on fire, but that's okay. Die <laughs> well, hard. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, at the beginning, the, you know, that same reporter just rolls in like over some curbs into an active crime scene. <laughs> yeah. They didn't seem to mind that much. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. <laughs> It's like, oh, the cameras are here. Well, we can't do anything more now than then try and block them off. They're just like, well, I guess I'll just drive up on the curb. They're like, well, man, well, what are we going to do with the curb, huh? Mm-hmm. City property. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. That is, a good, that, that is a good point. It's like he, they drove around this line of cop cars, and then the cops just kind of look back. We're like, well, we can't do anything about it now. He's behind us. <laughs> Fuck. It's like, but you're the police. Right. <laughs> like, you, you have authority. Yeah, and then McLean drives away. It's like, isn't he the only witness to all these terrorists <laughs> yeah. left? Like, how do we not know he's the terrorist? They're all dead. Exactly. <laughs> eh, just let him go. It's Christmas Eve, for Christ's sake. Uh, when we let him, you know, good Christian to one good Christian. Just let him celebrate the birth of our Lord. All right, I'll see you later. I got the mayor in my ass. <laughs> Dinkins is on my ass. All right, well, that's the movie, guys. Ready to get some trivia? Yes, sir. Can I, can, hold on. Can we pause real quick? I got to pee really bad. I do, too. We'll okay. So all right. Let's right. pause. Okay, so I got to eat a Snickers. A few more jazz pee. music. Snickers are delicious, I'll tell you. It's the peanuts. The peanuts give the salt for the Snickers, you know? And the nougat. The nougat gives, you know, a nice little chewy texture. Oh man. Then you smash them all together. The caramel really works great with the salt for the peanut. You guys ever had a, a dark chocolate Snickers? Oh man. Those are really good. A dark chocolate Snickers is great. <laughs> I fully expected to come back and hear Tim and the. Like the second verse of with arms wide open. No. I'll tell you. Have you ever had a dark chocolate Snickers? No, man. But it sounds really like you're good. enjoying one right now. Oh, man, it's good. <laughs> oh. I think it's the salt from the peanut that works against the bitterness of the dark chocolate, you know? Is that what it does? Yeah. It's really good. There's gonna be it's gonna be like three minutes of that. Me just talking about a dark chocolate snicker. All those man meats got Tim real hungry. <laughs> just sound like Tim was chowing down on some bat dick. <laughs> Alright, well also known as the dark chocolate snickers. <laughs> the dark nights, dark chocolate snickers. <laughs> Rated PG-13. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. All right, well, welcome back to the only in-depth movie podcast that has an intermission an hour and 45 minutes into the show. With another 10 minutes to go. Hope you guys enjoyed that sweet, sweet jazz music. Time for trivia. Let's go. You guys will enjoy this first one. Frank Sinatra had dibs on the starring role, but turned it down. Wait, what? What? Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra wasn't... Was he alive in 1988? Yes. 88, yeah. He died in 98. So, 
okay. The reason why is because he was um, this was originally a sequel to the 1968 movie that the detective that starred Frank Sinatra. Um, in the movie, the detective was first a book, and the book had a sequel called Nothing Lasts Forever. So for that reason, the studio had to offer it to Sinatra first. What? That's that's very funny. I and, knew a bu- I knew a little bit of that, but I did not know that Frank Sinatra had dibs on this. Yeah. Can you imagine Frank Sinatra crawling through that fucking duct? <laughs> he would definitely no, be this mo- those titties, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get over here, toots. It, yeah, this movie would have been in one room. He would have been sitting down, <laughs> and he just would have been fondling boobs the entire time. <laughs> Drinking Jack Daniels. Those, I was gonna say, we, we like to call those pornographic films. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what that would have been. I just looked it up, and, and Frank Sinatra was seventy three years old at the time at the film at the time this movie was filmed. Yeah, the trivia said senile. that he wisely Jesus. declined the movie. <laughs> yeah, good. All right, Frank. What we want you to do here is we want you to walk through all this broken glass. You want me to walk with, with your with, with your paper? <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, kid. You want me to walk? Yeah. You want all blue your, eyes to start walking around? Frankie Blue Eyes yeah. doesn't walk. Yeah, so. They changed the character's name and made him younger, but in the book, it's about a retired New York City detective waiting on his daughter's Christmas party to end when a bunch of German terrorists take over a skyscraper. So, okay, so speaking of all the movies that uh, turn it down, because this is another one of those like big blockbuster movies that was just rejected by a shit ton of actors. So the first choice to star in this movie was Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he turned it down. Boo. Boo. That would have been terrible. (laughs) Yeah. That would have sucked. So also, uh, I disagree. I, it would have been a different movie, but I could see it. It would be a completely different movie, though. It would have just been like a another Schwarzenegger movie. I would like to ventilate you. I think this is correct. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I wouldn't get it though. It would have been an Austrian detective fighting against uh, East that's Germans. Every Schwarzenegger movie is always a fucking American. <laughs> I know, but I don't I'm from get New it. Like, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> I never ever have been to Europe. I swear to God. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what is happening? I am from Hoboken. Country boy. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, um, John McTiernan, he had uh, directed Predator the year prior as well. Oh, all right. Yeah, and then he did this one. He was, on, he was on fire for a while. Yeah. Um, but also, and uh, here's the other list of people who turned it down. So after Schwarzenegger turned it down, they offered it to Stallone, and he turned it down as well. I guess oh, my God. Course. Would have been terrible. Good. Oh, my God. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yo. Stallone just stroking his way through this movie. He definitely would have fit in an event, though. He's like five feet tall. Yeah. Um, also offered and turned down were Harrison Ford, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, who's old as shit by this oh. time, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson. Hey! Nick Nolte. Yeah. The old Nick Nolte. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Gibson, who, I, you know, that's probably the closest one that could have nailed this one. But, you know, yeah. it just would have been a lethal weapon. Uh, Richard Greer, Don Johnson. Burt Reynolds mm. and Richard no. Burt Reynolds this was in his prime though this is Miami Vice era yeah. hold on Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. 
Wow. Burt Reynolds. I would too. actually have liked to have seen him Burt Reynolds or Harrison Ford, to be frank. I think. Yeah, Harrison Ford could have done it too. I think he could have done this movie. I agree with Max. I probably the, the closest person to the, the role would be Mel Gibson. Yeah. Harrison Ford did uh, Air Force One, so he got his Die Hard movie. <laughs> a great movie. I love Air Force One. That'll be a coming soon, I'm sure. Yeah. And the last one they offered was Richard Dean Anderson. And if you guys don't, don't know who that is, it's MacGyver. Ooh. Yeah, as you say, right? MacGyver? <laughs> yep. No way. Big deal back then. Wait, so they offered they offered it to all of them before they offered it to Bruce Willis? Yeah. So Willis was like one of the wow. last choices, mainly just because he had only been doing TV and uh, doing moonlighting. And it was like he was considered like a TV comedy actor at the time. Really? So he was actually filming uh, moonlighting during the day and then they were filming Die Hard at night. I mean, to be honest, they really lucked out because that whole, like, comedy sort of, like, funny, like, little edge he brought to the movie, like, made the movie so good. Yeah. And, I mean, this is is Bruce Willis' best movie he ever did. Like, he's never this likable in anything. No. Yeah, this is definitely his best movie. By far. Wait, what What about Hearts War, guys? <laughs> what about Hearts War, the shittiest movie I've ever seen about World War II? <laughs> including including. I don't even know what you're talking movies. about. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, man. That's a movie need to never watch. So <laughs> just, know that I, just know that it exists. I told you about it, and that's that. Hold on, Preble. What was the name of that movie? It's called nope. Hearts. It's, it's Hearts called... Jor. It's called, it's called Star Wars. We're gonna watch Star Wars. It's called Jurassic Park. We already did it. <laughs> it's about a bunch of dinosaurs running on a paddock. Whatever. Yes. Speaking of Jurassic Park, Sam Neill was originally offered the role of Hans Gruber, and he turned it down. <laughs> who are these casting agents? I need to know who these casting agents are. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I what can a, do this job. What a terrible, terrible choice that would have been. I mean, I, I love Sam Neill. I really do. He plays a great devil and yeah, paleontologist. Yeah, he played Damien. Yeah, he did. But you know what? Just, just fucking let Professor Snape do it. That's yep. the best choice. Yeah. Alan Rickman is, a, like, he's one of the greatest actors ever. Yeah, I he's love, fantastic. Yeah, I, say, I love Alan Rickman. It's good in everything he did. Um, also, uh, the director, John uh, McTiernan, he turned down the movie several times as well. Um, because he said the original script was really grim and there's nothing fun about terrorism. Uh, so he was able to get a change to bank robbers instead. And the skyscraper in this movie is actually the corporate office of 20th Century Fox. And it was still under construction at the time, so they didn't really have to do much with it. <laughs> they actually leased it to themselves. Very nice. I mean. Indeed. Um, also, this is uh, the same office that Ronald Reagan worked in after he left the presidency. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, the Gipper. And so also, uh, the guy who played uh, the bad guy, Carl, he was a Russian-Soviet ballet dancer who defected to the United States. Yes. Thank you. Because I, <laughs> I looked this up at like 1 a.m. last night, Max, and I was like, what? <laughs> How is this possible? Yep. And then he drank himself to death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he died cirrhosis of the liver at like 45. Like, yeah. God. Or I mean, as they call, as they say in Russia, natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you say that you don't drink 20 gallons of vodka a day? So is Rasta, possible. Vodka drinks you. 
Oh, all right. So, who was your favorite and least favorite character in this movie? Uh, I can lead off. Uh, it's definitely Carl Winslow. <laughs> He's my favorite character in this movie by far. Um, I mean, I really don't think there is like a bad character in this movie. There isn't like a character that's like not. It's like not doing what they're supposed to do, you know. But uh, if I had to just pick someone I just didn't like, it would probably be the reporter. He's pretty unlikable, you know. Did you get that? Yeah. Right. Although he does deliver one great line at the sort of beginning of the movie. Where he goes, fuck you, Harvey, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also like Carl, but I don't want to say Carl. So I'm going to think of somebody else quickly. But before I do him, I'm going to do the person I don't like, which is definitely the uh, the guy like the the FBI, the white FBI agent Johnson, who's yeah, like, yeah, don't we like murdering Vietnamese people? It's like, no, why do we like this? <laughs> this is a bad this is a bad thing. Even in 1987, people were like the Vietnam War was, was problematic. I think that's the nicest thing I could say about it. But uh, but yeah, he's definitely the person I'm gonna say no to. But my, I guess I'd say other my other than Carl, is definitely Hans Gruber because I I loved the whole criminality. I love uh, Alan Rickman. Mm. I think he, I think he's dope. I love this movie with him in it. Well, uh, my favorite, which surprisingly was not a, a big factor in this podcast, fucking Argyle. Arkell was the man. <laughs> Love I, that guy. I'm, I'm totally with Derek on this one. I would have picked Argyle if Carl wasn't such a great character. Yeah, Carl was wasn't I mean, there then. Yeah. For for someone that has such a small role in a movie to be that fucking hilarious, uh, I loved it. Um, least favorite, Tim. I mean, brace yourself. We're on the same page here. The reporter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a like wise choice. Well, and I mean, really, like, the only reason he was even in the fucking movie was that one scene at the end where you find, where Hans finds out that, you know, what's-her-name is is uh, married to Bruce Willis and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's the only reason he's needed in this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say McLean. He's my favorite one. Let's um, say, like, he was, like, the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool 25 years before Deadpool came out. <laughs> Just because, like... You know, the late 80s, you get, like, you have, you know, you've had a whole decade of just roided up Arnold and Stallone movies, and then out of nowhere, you just have, like, this witty and very flawed New York asshole just running around barefoot and bloody, just cracking jokes left and right. I mean, it was just unlike any other action movie. Um, least favorite, I'm going to say Theo. He's just a little shit ass. He just needed oh, to tone yeah. down all the corny lines. <laughs> That's why he only, his next role was on Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> You mean the Walker Texas Ranger? Wow. The Walker Texas Rangers. That's right, Mike. The a show. The the most prolific retirement home on in the middle of the day show <laughs> out there. All right. So since Arnold was almost in this movie, and we know this movie would have been much different with him, uh, what would this movie be like if Arnold's Mister Freeze was a star instead of Bruce Willis? Well, he wouldn't have lasted too long because there was a fuck ton of explosions. <laughs> I feel like it's with Ellis, he'd be like, "Let us know, am I right?" <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's what that's what would have happened. He would have brought his henchmen back for a fucking sing along at the end of the movie to let it snow. <laughs> oh my god! I, I would, would say also with the cocaine, but that's cool too. 
What would have what would have happened, and it probably would have been actually pretty funny, is that he just would have been delivering like pun sign offs to Bruce Willis, and then Bruce Willis would have been like, like make fun of him, be like, "What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> is that a pun?" You know, he just would have like shat on him for like five like, minutes. I was gonna say it would then, be more like it would be like inside the trading or more inside the skating. There'd be some for some inexplicable reason, like a diamond, to be like, "Oh my god, no! Who did this?" Right. Old Hans on deck. <laughs> exactly. Be, oh. oh. And then he deck the halls with my balls on Holly. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I think Bruce Willis would have actually have killed Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. You know, because they've even just like, oh my god, block. It would have been funny. It would have been funny if after like the fifth time that like. Bruce Willis chat on him after winning a pun. He would just been like, "I just wish this guy would just be more a little bit like a little bit less of a dick about it." <laughs> I try hard at these. <laughs> I really care about these themes. <laughs> it's like I don't think so, Arnold. Because based on everything, <laughs> you know, at least you could acknowledge my work or my hard work. I just think all the explosions. He would have said something like, "Looks like someone needs to cool down." <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, unlike IMDb with their zero to ten. Okay. Unlike try to get max. <laughs> okay, right. We're almost done, guys. Unlike IMDb with their zero to ten score, or Rotten Tomatoes with their certified fresh scores, we've decided to make our own scoring system. So, guys, what would uh, you give this score for this movie? Um, I would give this one Scottish pattern named limo driver out of two Johnsons. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give this uh, uh, six uh, uh, dark chocolate Milky Way or dark chocolate Snickers out of uh, six dark chocolate Snickers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Delicious. Tim liked this movie. He did. I loved it. Um, I'm going to say at least six different opportunities to use someone else's dead shoes over, (laughs) over at least... 10 Bruce Willis like titty ogglings while he's running around this this entire facility just go man exactly yeah I'm gonna give this an unlimited subscription to Forbes and Time Magazine free of charge to Hans Gruber out of all the Carlos Escobar cocaine in the world which is a very good and expensive rating. <laughs> Carlos Escobar, the less famous brother of Pablo Escobar. Say, you were talking about Pablo? <laughs> yeah. That one. Uh, you racist son of a Sorry. bitch. We'll just, I don't know his first name. I'll just call him Carlos. Carlos Escobar, what is he, the baseball player, right? No, I that's, think that's a not? real person. <laughs> Let's just stay on the races. I, I'm sure he is. Let's okay. Let's just let's just assume there is a baseball player named Carlos Escobar, because so, there there is one. All right, Siri. Well, all the all the uh, all the all the Colombian cocaine. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's that's all right, nailed it. <sighs> all right, we'll get that. there eventually, Max. <laughs> okay, it's getting late here. <laughs> let's let's just wrap up our uh, our first Christmas movie of the month and. Um, We'll give you guys a hint of the next episode on the Instagram and Facebook pages. So if you want to check that out, just look in the description box of this episode. Our mailbox is still empty, so I guess there's no need to tell you what our fucking email is. <laughs> Teenybackrowgmail.com. So, till next time, remember, if you 
plan on negotiating with a man that's already killed your boss? Stick the one type of coke. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, White Paul. powder galore. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Uh, and, and put the gun down, too. Because let's be honest, we don't have any female listeners other than my supportive girlfriend for some reason. <laughs> and my mom. Uh, <laughs> no, she doesn't listen. Hello, Ms. I could have made, made a really bad joke there, but I'm not going to do it, Max. Because I know. You know me too well. Yeah, please. It's okay. This well. is about the time that hey, she turns Sharon. off. Hey, this Sharon. This is about the time that she turns off because she says, you know me, I can't listen to anything for more than a half an hour at a time. She's like, you guys talk well, way too much. Well, way too hold long. on a second. Hold on a second. Sharon, this is Derek Brady. Please, just stick with this one. Stick with it. I think you've got it. I think you're going to like this one. Think, yeah. Tim, Time is Mahoney. This is Michael Preble. Do not stick with this. <laughs> I have your best interest in heart. Please leave. Don't listen to this. Mrs. Mahoney, this is Tim Begin. I would just like to say that this in no way me as a person on this podcast is in no way a reflection of my mother who was a sweetheart <laughs> she did the best she could but you can only do so much with the with the rough clay she was given so <laughs> that begin is the start <laughs> uh, right, goddamn well. cooks the seal <laughs> all right well uh, all right, god well. damn cooks a seal <laughs> <laughs> all right well